your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. Perfect love. Perfect love. First John chapter 4. And then verse 17. The Bible says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much, Lord, that we can learn about a perfect love that perfect love that is in Christ. And Father, I pray this morning You take the Word of God and penetrate our hard hearts, Lord. We need revival. We need the love of God to spring out of our hearts. Father, I pray that You'd speak to us, please, out of, out of the Word of God. I pray that the truths get planted firmly in a broken heart this morning. Lord, help us to know about perfect love, what it is, and how we could show it to a lost world. Father, teach us this morning. Help me to preach, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Perfect love. Wow. Where can you find perfect love? I mean, there's a lot of things that are imperfect in the world. I see a lot of imperfect people sitting out there, just like me. But where can you find something that's perfect? Perfect love. Well, it's in Jesus, isn't it? It's in Jesus Christ. He's absolutely perfect. All of, all of His character is nothing but perfect. In verse 8 of John chapter 4, 1 John 4, it says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Let me remind you that God just doesn't have love. God is love. It's part of His nature and His very character. Verse 16, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Hey, I think love is all about God. Because God is love. Romans chapter 8. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, and amen to that, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You want perfect love? You have to be in Christ. And Christ has to be in you. That happened at salvation, by the way. You don't have to wait for perfect love. It's already there inside of you. Waiting to be shown to a lost world. It dwells inside every Christian. We have all the love that we could possibly need or give in Christ. Our text says there is no fear in love. Isn't that a good thing? When you're loving the Lord and the Lord is in you and, and expressing Himself through you by the Holy Spirit, there's no fear. You don't have any fear in your heart. Love does not produce fear. Fear and love 
cannot rule together simultaneously in the believer's heart. If you're full of the perfect love of God, there's no fear. There is that good fear Eric was talking about. That's reverence for God. That's clean and perfect. Leads us to salvation when we finally fear God. But perfect love casteth out fear. Now there's a lot to be fearful of today in this world. But remind yourself every time you get fearful of one thing. Just think about Jesus. Just think about Him sitting on His throne. Think about Him in complete control of every single thing that happens in this entire universe. Is at His disposal, at His command. He holds it all together. And besides that, He has what we call amazing love. Amazing love. A trusting love. A love that believes that God is able to do whatever God says He will do. That's the love of God. I'm not trusting in a a, a little God, some idol. I'm trusting in Almighty God. There was a song. There was a song that used to say, All you need is love. It's out of my time period. All you need is love, love. I won't sing it. But you know what? Good, right? (laughs) Do not sing. All you need is love. I say no. All you need is God's love. I had a lot of love before, but it wasn't God's love till I got saved. You know you don't know what love is until you get saved. You don't know what true sacrificial love is until you get saved. And the one who sacrificed lives inside of you and is able to show that love to a lost world. Otherwise, we don't know what love is. The world struggles to know what love is and to love like God loves, but they can't. We can't do it until God's in us pushing that love out towards a lost world. We need perfect love. And perfect love that covers a multitude of sins. That's the kind of love I needed when I got saved. That perfect love that would cover a multitude of my sins. And love that heals relationships in families, with children. That's perfect love. That's God's love. All you need is love. God's love. Now, there's a lot of fears in the world. The wickedness isn't hidden anymore. It's not in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's in the world. It's on TV. It's everywhere you look. Wickedness. And look, it's not just that kind of wickedness. It's the sins that you see out there in the world today. Look at ISIS. And the things that are going on in the world. The wars and rumors of wars. It's not behind closed doors anymore. It's right in our eyes. The wickedness like it was in Noah's day. We can be fearful of that. The wickedness of man is great in the earth today. And these certainly are the last days. There's not a doubt about it to me. We're living in the last days. Now Paul thought he was living in the last days too. But we are living in the last days. I believe that. And we could go into all about Israel being back in the land. And by the way, always keep your gaze on Jerusalem. Always keep your gaze on Israel. Because that's the cup of trembling for the world when the tribulation does come. That's where everything's going to take place. Right there. There are wars and rumors of wars, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. You'd think you were reading Matthew 24. The table is set. We should, we should realize that there's a lot to be fearful of. We are living in the days before the Great Tribulation. The rapture is coming. Maybe in our lifetime. These are the days of Noah, are they not? Eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Before they were taken. Before judgment came. Evil is on display in the world. 
You want to know what evil is? Just go look on the TV, in the movies, go out on the street, down in Cork. Just look at the world. Watch the news. There's evil everywhere. But you know what? We don't have to be fearful of that. We don't have to be fearful of what's going on around us because God is still sitting on his throne. He's still there in majesty and purity and just absolutely able to take care of everything that is happening in this world. Someday it's going to come to an end. That's external fears. But what about internal fears? That's the ones we really should be concerned about. The ones that overtake us deep in our heart. They begin to control us. The believer is fearful. Like the Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of others, what they think, and what are they going to say? Who cares? We're serving the Lord. That's why we won't go into Sunday school. We're afraid we can't do this, or we can't do that. And all these fears get inside. I won't go soul winning. I'm afraid of being rejected at the door. I don't know what to say. The fear of man bringeth a snare. Fear of sickness. Fear of money woes. Fear of death. For the believer? We fear death? Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and in verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Jesus did. He came. The Word of God came and took on flesh. Why? That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. There's people that are afraid of dying. They should be. You don't know Christ this morning. That's scary. You better be fearful. Turn to Hebrews chapter 9. But but Christian, why are you scared of dying? Maybe you just don't know how it's going to end, you know. (laughs) I would love to go out like uh, they say Jack Chick, the one who wrote those chick tracks. They say he died in his sleep at 92 years old. I'll take that. I would love to die in my sleep at 92, Tunday. Just wake up in heaven, amen? They, they shake you, get up, get up, and you're not there anymore. You're in heaven, amen? I'd like to go that way. So sometimes Christians say, how am I going to die? Well, no matter how you die, you're going to go in heaven. Your next breath will be heavenly air. You'll see Jesus Christ face to face. But for the unbeliever, Hebrews 9.26 says, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once, by the way, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the what? The judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. That's right. On the cross, Christ became sin. He became sin. He took our sin. And He died in our place. And those that have trusted in Christ as their personal Savior should have no fear of death because we're going to heaven. But if you don't know Jesus this morning as your personal Savior, I'm not talking about religion. 
I don't talk about you were baptized. I'm not talking about you go to church. I'm not talking about you do good works. I'm talking about when did you receive Christ as your personal Savior when you were born again, when you believed on Him as your Savior of your soul. If you haven't done that, then it's appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. There's no soul sleep and or you just poof away into nothing. Your soul will stand before God. You'll be cast into hell. I'd get scared of that too. In fact, that's what got me saved. But you know what? No matter how futile, no matter how hopeless things seem to be, we don't have to fear. We do not have to fear. There is a perfect love that casteth out fear. It's like taking a net, a fisherman taking a net and casting it out. Instead of tying the other rope to his wrist so he could pull it back, he just throw it out there and it's gone. That's what perfect love does with fear. It just casts it away. It's not in your heart. Both of them can't dwell together. Perfect love casteth out fear. It throws it away. It drives away fear. Thank God it does because fear has torment. Torment. It's a painful, distressing, emotion fear in the heart of a believer even. Obviously. It paralyzes us. It's Satan's tool to control you and to paralyze you from doing the will of God. You're fearful in your heart. Now look, we all have fears, but we're not, we don't have to live in them. Isaiah chapter 41. Turn there, please. Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. And in verse 10, it says this, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Is there anything God can't do? He's made it personal as far as I'm concerned. It's about me and Him. It's about Him and you. He says, don't fear. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm thy God. I will strengthen you. I'll uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Seriously, do we have anything to fear? If God says, fear thou not, should we have anything to fear? No. God says, don't fear. We don't have to live in fear. We do have fear at times. But let's get past it and think about Jesus. We all fear at times. For different decisions and maybe maybe trying to find the will of God. We're fearful. What am I supposed to do? What should I do in this situation? Think of Jesus. Pray. Get into your Bible. Find Him. And you'll find peace. Perfect love. Casteth out fear. Jesus in the garden was agonizing. I don't know that he was fearful, but he certainly didn't have, kind of lost his peace. He was saying, oh my, look what, look what's coming. I gotta drink that cup. The wrath of God. But we have for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, Jesus knew it was the will of God and he trusted in his father. The love of his own father he trusted in and got through that time. There's no, there's no room for fear in the heart of one who has perfect love. We just don't have to live in fear. 
One big fear is a loss of control. That we just don't have control of things like we want. Control over our lives, maybe. Our relationships. Money. Our children. Our careers. That's what puts internal fears in us. We start to, we don't think about God. We think about, how can I get control of this again? You can ask yourself, aren't we not to be in control of these things? Shouldn't we be in control of our money and our relationships and our children and our careers? And I say no. But listen, when I say that, we're not to be in charge. We're just stewards of what God has given us. These are God's. This is God's life. This is God's career. This is God's children. These are God's, this is my, my spouse is God's. Everything is God's. He owns it all. I'm just a steward. So am I supposed to be in charge? Well, just supposed to manage what God has given me. He's in charge. Now, you're going to have to flip that thinking around so you can wrap your head around that. Put God in charge. Let God be God in your life. Let God be in control of your money. Let God be in control of your career. Your children, your spouse, your relationships, everything. Give God, say, you're in charge. I'm just an overseer. I'm just a steward. I just manage what you've given me. So I don't have to get fearful. You're the one in charge. I'm just taking care of what you've given me. Because he owns it all. Fear hath torment. A perfect love starts and ends with Jesus Christ. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And in verse 15. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, Again to what? Fear. I don't have that spirit in me. That's not the spirit that came from God. But you have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God sought me and brought me into His family. He didn't give me the spirit of fear. He took away the bondage, Leo. He didn't put me back in bondage. He took away the bonds of sin. I don't have to fear about anything anymore. He put the spirit of adoption in me. I'm now his child. Should your children walk around? What's going to happen next, Daddy? I don't know what to do. No, they should look to their father and say, it's in your hands. You take care of it. You're in charge. You're in control. I don't have to fear about that. That's not the spirit that should be in us. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you're fearful this morning, there's something wrong. There's something wrong in your relationship with Jesus. If you have fear in your heart this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Doesn't sound like God wants us to fear. If you have a spirit of fear, it's not God's. God didn't give it to you. The devil's using you. He's using something in your life that you haven't committed to Jesus Christ, that you haven't given him full control, and he is tormenting your soul with fear about it. 
Because you're hanging on, trying to control things, and not giving it over to Him. You're not being a steward. You're trying to be the manager. You're trying to be the in charge. And God says, I want control. If I had control, you wouldn't have all this fear. If you're experiencing fear in your heart and life on a daily basis, I'm here to tell you something's wrong. When I have fear in my heart, it, it just it paralyzes you. You don't know what to do till you till you give it to the Lord. Take it to Christ. It's our relationship with Jesus Christ that is missing something. Maybe there's an unnecessary add-on or it's just plain broken. I don't know. John always takes care of things when I have problems with my computer. John! That's all I know. I know one name. John! I should call God, right? Maybe God could just take care of it. But I call John. I got these add-ons on my computer. You know, they're unnecessary. Get them off, Daniel. Your computer will run faster or all this stuff. Maybe there's something added on to your life that shouldn't be there. You know, these add-ons on the computer uh, is software that enhances other software. I, I just, when I read that, I went, huh? <laughs> what? I don't even know what software is, I don't think. But something that should not be in your life. There's something in your life that shouldn't be there. Either that or it's just broken. Your relationship with God is, is just broken. Or there's something missing from your relationship with God. Turn to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35. Perfect love casteth out fear. Isaiah 35 and in verse 4. Now look, this is the Word of God. It either means something to us or it doesn't. Either God's speaking or He isn't. Either God's in control or He isn't. Either God's a liar or He isn't. But when God tells us things, we should nail it down and say, God's telling me not to fear. God's telling me not to have a fearful heart. This is what I need to do in order to cast out that fear. In verse 4, 35-4, it says, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. It tells me God is going to do what only God can do. If I trust Him, I need to trust in the Lord. It's a trust issue. Or maybe it's a love issue. Trust and love kind of go together. So does, uh, so does love and trust. They just go together. Without, without, the, without the trust in the Lord, without the love of God, fear will begin to creep in. We ought to believe that God's going to fight for us. That God's going to take care of those issues that we have fear about. If we give them over to Him, God's going to fight for us. He's going to do whatever is necessary. He's going to be God. He's just going to be God. He's going to do what He can do. And nobody else can. In Matthew 8, 26, it says, Jesus said, why are you fearful? Oh, ye of little faith. You see, to fear is to not trust God. Now, that was told to us last week by, I think it was Andrew, or someone talked about being in the boat. I forget who it was now, but maybe Graham. About being in the boat, and he was, he was asleep, and the waves came up, and and they were fearful. Don't you care that we perish? And Jesus says, why are you fearful? Oh, ye of little faith. It's a trust issue. Let me tell you something. If you didn't trust your spouse, 
That would put fear in your heart. Huh? What would happen if it's 2 in the morning and, where's my wife? Well, where's my husband? I'm looking out the window. Where, where are they? Should have been home hours ago. Put fear in your heart. Why doesn't she come home? Or what's going on? He, he keeps closing the computer lid as soon as I get near. You'd start to get fear in your heart. Because you're not trusting anymore. Once we lose trust, fear starts to well up. What's going on? That's hard. We have to believe and trust in God. Because God will never let us down. He's never let anyone down. He's always faithful. God has never, His arm has never been too strong to save. God has always met every need that someone has. Never once. Can you imagine? Since really eternity passed, God has met every need of every person that ever trusted in Him. Not once has He let anybody down. And He's not going to let you down. He does, you know, to believe He will not respond in some way. Jesus must have been grieved by that. You don't think I care? You don't think I'm going to deliver you? Is that what you think? You know, if someone had a gun and you were standing behind 12 inches of bulletproof glass, you'd be laughing at them. Go ahead, fire away. <laughs> Come on, I'm still here. Why? Because you're trusting in the bulletproof glass. Well, why can't we trust in God the same way? He's a lot better than 12 inches of bulletproof glass. He's Almighty God. And we, we are fearful because we're not trusting in Him. Man, you trust the brakes when you put them on. Let's trust God. To fear is to not love God perfectly. Perfect love casteth out fear. As far as I'm concerned, perfect love is a total love. It's a complete love. It's fully trusting in God. The illustration, let me, let me show you Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. A man named Peter. Perfect just means total. Total love for God. Complete. It's completed. Nothing missing. Nothing added on. It's done. I'm in love with my Savior. Totally trusting in Him. Uh, Matthew 26, and verse 33. Jesus tells them, Tonight's the night. They're going to smite the shepherd. You're all going to be... All the sheep are going to be uh, scattered. And then... Uh, but after I am risen again, in verse 32, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. I wonder how that went into Peter's heart. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. It wasn't just Peter. I think they all had good intentions. But good intentions will not take you all the way. Good intentions will fall short. When a little maiden says, Hey, you sound like one of them Galileans. Why 
Aren't you one of those Galileans? Aren't you with him? Oh, not me. Oh, I wasn't with him. I don't even know him. He's warming his hands by the fire. Your speech betrays you. You're one of those Galileans. Not me. I don't even know him. And he denied him three times. Look at John chapter 21, though. John chapter 21. You know the story. Jesus comes back and he pinholes Peter and he recommissions him. And you know how he does it? By asking him how much he loved him. You think about that when you're serving God or not serving God. All you have to do is check how much you love him. If you push away service and the will of God, it's because you don't love him. You can say you love him all you want. But love is an action word. It's an action of the will. There's fear crept in there somewhere. And good intentions are not enough to cast out fear when it comes. John 21, and in verse 17, you know the story? The great fisherman went fishing and caught nothing. Jesus said, cast your net on the right side of the ship. And they pulled in a haul. They drag it up on the beach. And Jesus has fish cooking and the bread going. And, and after they all eat and they're sitting around the fire, patting their stomachs, Jesus looks at Peter. And he asks him in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Maybe he thought Peter couldn't, didn't hear him. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Not these, not the fish, not his friends. You love me. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Peter is now getting ready to be commissioned to do a great work for God. Because Jesus now knows and looks in his heart and says, I think you're ready. I've become the love of your life. I've become your first love. You're full of the love of God now, Peter. All he needs now is the filling of the Holy Spirit, which happens at Pentecost. Because verse 18 says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. You did what you wanted, Peter. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hand, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. And Peter did. Because now, Jesus Christ was his first and last love. And that love is what took him all the way to a martyr's death. Good intentions won't do that. Only love will take you all the way. Perfect love gives us the boldness to do the will of God and to follow Him all the way, no matter where it leads. What is meant by perfect love? It's when God's heart becomes your heart. That's as simple as I can make it. When God's heart becomes your heart. Perfect love means that the love that we have inside us is complete. It's, it's, it's finished. 
It's, it's in its totality. You don't have to add anything to it, and you can't take nothing away. It's like a recipe, ladies. I know because you, you write your recipes down, you give them to someone else, and you don't put down there, uh, you put down a quarter teaspoon of salt. You don't just say put as much salt as you want in, because uh, that recipe's not going very far, right? You say, and put a half a cup of milk or three large eggs. What if they're jumbos? Then put two. You know, it's why? You're trying to make it exact. It's exact. It's like a recipe. Don't add anything. You can't add anything to Christ's love, and you can't take anything away from it. And it'll always come out the same. Because Jesus is the same. Jesus is perfect. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have Christ's love in you, and you give Him complete control of your life, that perfect love will be in you and cast out fear. That perfect love is in each and every Christian just waiting, waiting to be shown. That's what that world needs to see. They need to see Christ's love in you. Now, they have to look at us, unfortunately, and they have to deal with us. Because, and we're imperfect vessels. But we still carry around a, the perfect gospel and the perfect love of God. And that's why we see people saved. Because it's Him in us doing it, not us. We are simply the messengers. It needs to be shown. Perfect love will have us give control of our lives to Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. That can be scary. If you're not trusting in Him. Fully committing your children, your home, your spouse to Jesus Christ. She's yours. He's yours. They're yours. Lord, I want to take my hands off it. I'm going to stop controlling what is yours. I just want to be a good steward of it. Relinquishing your grip on your spouse and your children and your finances and simply yielding to Jesus Christ. You know, Romans 5.8 For God commended His love toward us. Now while we were yet sinners, Christ died. For us. He went to the cross. That's a commending love. It's a sacrificial love. It's something that you can see. There He was, hanging on that cross. You could see that He loved the world. And it pays the price. Perfect love will pay the price, whatever it costs. Because it's precious. It's rare. We don't find it as much as we should in the church today, in believers. Perfect love. Wouldn't you like to have perfect love? So how does one develop it? Turn to John chapter... You're in John. Turn to chapter 14. John chapter 14. How do, how do you develop perfect love? John chapter 14 and verse 21. He that hath my commandments, we have them, and keepeth them. That means obey them. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest, show thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and will make our abode with him. 
It's a special relationship that many of us maybe have never felt to know that God is dwelling in us and living in us completely and fully. That we're keeping His commandments. That as far as we can tell, I'm right with God. And I have a peace inside of my heart today or this morning that God's love is completely filling me. I'm under His control. Because God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have taken up residence in me, not only when I got saved, but they're filling me now. They find themselves very comfortable living in my heart this morning. Chapter 15 and verse 10. Chapter 15 and verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why he agonized in the garden. And then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He obeyed. In fact, it says he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Jesus was a man, you know. Even though he was God in the flesh, he was a man. And he showed us how to be a perfect, have perfect love. Are you an obedient Christian? Hey, answer the question. Are you an obedient Christian? Turn to 1 John chapter 2. Because that's going to help you have perfect love. 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse 5. 1 John 2, 5. Same writer. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God, what? Perfected made complete, made whole. Hereby know we that we are in Him. If you keep His Word, if you're obedient, God's love will manifest itself inside of you. The ability to have peace and a calmness when everything else is in turmoil, if you're obeying the Lord, you'll have that peace, that perfect love that casteth out fear. But it's conditioned on obedience. If you're away from God, you're not going to have that. Love, you're not going to have that peace in your heart. So no matter the littlest thing pops up, you're running off the deep end. God wants us to obey for our benefit. So He can pour His love into us. It's a special relationship is what it is. The fullness of the love of God in you comes by obedience. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Seven words. Mark them down. Are they in your heart? Are you living those seven words out? Today, in your life, if you love me, keep my commandments. There are great benefits from obeying God. To have the fullness of God in you. That He wants to dwell in you. He has complete control of your life. If God's in control, how could we possibly have fear? Remember, sinful obedience doesn't stop God from loving you. When you sin, God still loves you. Isn't that good? But it may stop you from realizing it. When you sin against God, you don't feel like He loves you. When your children disobey you, they don't feel like you love them. But you still do. It's the same thing with God. If you're away from Him, if you're in sin, you're probably thinking God doesn't love me. Yes, He does. He loved you before you even knew you. Before you even knew Him, He loved you. A disobedient child is still loved, but they just don't sense it and feel it when they're confined to their room or sitting on a stool in the corner. Mommy and Daddy don't love me. Oh, they do. They do love you. You just don't feel it. 
Our sin keeps us from experiencing the closeness of the love of God. Because sin always brings fear. And sin always brings separation. For the wages of sin is, and when you're dead, you're separated from those that are alive. So when we sin, even as a Christian, our fellowship with God is broken. How can we have perfect love? He still does. We just don't realize it. He's abiding. Is He abiding? Is He abiding in your heart? Do you sense God's presence? Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him and sup with him and he with me. That's where he is. He might be knocking at your heart today. I'd like to come in. I sure would like to be in that church service. I sure would like to be a part of your life. But you won't let me in. Letting God run your life. It's just not words. It's talking about yielding. It's talking about giving way. It's talking about when the car's coming around the roundabout, you give way and yield to the car. Give God first place. Complete control of your life. He's in control. Let Him have His way with you. The other reason, the other way is by loving one another. It's by obedience and then by loving one another. You're in, turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. The Bible spells it out very clearly. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man, no man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and His love is perfected in us. You want perfect love? You're going to have to start loving each other. The more we try to do that, the more the love of God's perfected. Why? Because you're imperfect. And so am I. And it's hard to do, to love each other without God loving you through me or through you. Because, let's face it, in the natural man, we don't care about each other. We don't love each other the way God loves us. But we can love each other if God is in control of our life. And the harder we strive to love our fellow believers, the more that love will be perfected in us. Because it's God bringing that love. Not us. It doesn't come from us. It comes from God. Hereby know that we are... I'm sorry. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And His love is perfected in us. It's not easy to love each other. Jesus showed us what perfect love is. What it's capable of. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay, would lay down his life for his friends. If you could lay down your life for anybody, it should be somebody right in this room for a fellow believer. That you would lay your life down. That's the perfect love of God. When did God love us? At the cross. For God commended His love toward us and that while we were perfect, beautiful, wonderful, sinless just wonderful people. He just found it so easy to love us. No, when we were sinners, vile, wicked sinners that shook our shook our hands in His face and you blasphemed His name and you cursed and you did wicked sins and God said, I still love you. I love you. That's perfect love. That's what we have. 
And if we can't show love to our own, how can we possibly show love to that world out there? Wow, you can forget about it. Because at least we can love each other. They don't love you. God loves us. And we need to love each other. And then take this love that they know nothing about, take it out there to a lost world. By the way, love is not blind. Love is not blind. That's what you hear the world say. Love is blind. It doesn't see any of the any of the warts. Doesn't see any of the flaws. Doesn't see any of the imperfections because love is blind. Right, Marianne? Love is blind. No, it's not. Let me tell you what love is. Just like God's love. He saw every single sin in my life. Every imperfection, every flaw, and he looked past it. That's what love is. Love isn't blind. It sees everything. And that love covers a multitude of sins. Love is not blind. It sees clearer than we can possibly imagine. Praise God that love isn't blind. Because that's what He went to the cross for. If we didn't need it, He wouldn't have went. But we needed it. And He saw every flaw and every sin and every wicked, vile sin and He still went to the cross. Because love isn't blind. It sees it all. It says they need grace. They need the bloodshed. I'll go. You know, I had a friend named Bobby Fisher. I don't know, we, may, we were just best friends. And uh, I hope this makes sense to you. Uh, of course, this was back in the States. Just boys playing every day. Me and Bobby Fisher in the apartment complex where I lived. We'd go out and play from sunup to sundown, unless we were in school. But we were best friends. We'd beat each other up. And then play with each other all day. Best friends. There was a game we used to play. They had a couple different names. It was called Red Rover, Red Rover. And, you, you know, there'd be a ton of kids playing. So there might be ten on this side and ten on that side. And you locked hands. And you call for one of the people to try to break through your grip with your, with your friend. You're, you're making a gate. We also called it Break the Golden Gate. And we'd call for somebody to come over, and they'd fling themselves in, and you'd try to hold them, and then they'd be part of your chain. You're trying to make your chain longer. No big deal, right? Fun game. Except Bobby, Bobby developed warts on his hands. I'm not talking about a few warts. Me and Bobby swam in the pool at at our apartment complex constantly. We were swimming at very young ages. And uh, one time we got out of the pool, and you know how your hands, you know, it looks like you've been in the dishwater, ladies, right? And uh, every, those warts just stuck out. So we counted them. We sat there and counted them. He had 48 warts on his hands, all over the palms. Now, they just didn't happen, but it, it just, when we, when we got out of the pool, out of the water, it was like, whoa, they looked like big roses sticking out of his hand. But he had all these warts. Well, when we played Break the Golden Gate, some people would be on the end, and uh, but you still had to hold somebody's hand. Nobody wanted to hold his hand. Who wants to hold a hand? 
hold somebody's hand with, with warts all over it. It was disgusting. So Bobby always was on my side. And I always helped him. Because he was my best friend. We have a friend in heaven who loves us. And he sees all your faults and all your imperfections. And he loves you. Because love isn't blind. I knew Bobby had the warts, but I just cared about Bobby. I didn't care about the warts. And by the way, two years later, the warts went away. Why? We think it was he started eating vegetables. Amen? <laughs> Maybe it was just a vitamin deficiency. But they were gone. Cleared up completely. But can you imagine having to sit there and not being able to play the game? I was nobody special. He was just my best friend. So I could get past holding a hand full of warts because I cared about him. God cares about you, sinner. If Jesus can love sinners, why can't we love each other? It'll perfect the love of God in us. God's love in us is perfected when we love others. Finally, perfect love will honor Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. You know the story of the woman who went to the Pharisee's house. I've got to get moving here. Luke chapter 7 and verse 30, uh, 36. Luke seven thirty six, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed him with ointment. And when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman that, that this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner." Oh, how we look at ourselves when we're full of pride. Everybody else is a sinner. Let me just say, this woman knew what she was. She knew what she was. That's why she came in weeping and crying and kissing his feet and wiping it with her hair because she knew she was a sinner. This woman shows us though what perfect love is. What perfect love is, it acts, you can see it, it responds to the object of its affections. She responded to the one that she loved. No fear, she was committed and focused on Jesus Christ, her Savior. This woman had no fear of where she was. This sinner walks into the Pharisee's house and she was not invited. But where he goes, I go. I love him. I'm going to worship him. No fear to follow. Willing to go all the way. Like Peter was able to do once. She, he loved like this woman loved. No fear of whom she was with. No matter the scribes, the Pharisees, the big wigs. See in verse 39. When the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who. And what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. Who? For she's a sinner. Huh. This is not... Not her kind. What is she doing here? Who cares what the world thinks, by the way? Jesus is my kind. And I'm His kind. I don't care what the world thinks. 
And this woman didn't care what the world thought either. She just cared what Jesus thought. Or what she was doing. She was worshiping. She was honoring the Lord. Talking about Him. We have a perfect object for our love. Jesus Christ. I tell you, we've devoted ourselves to far less at times. We've given ourselves and our time to much lesser things than Jesus Christ. And He deserves everything that we have. And then verse 47 says, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Jesus rebukes, in a sense, the Pharisee by showing him how much this woman was showing how much she loved him. Never forget how much you've been forgiven for. Never forget the pit that God pulled you out of. And the things that you were involved in. And the place you were headed. Hell. Never forget that God pulled you out of that. And saved you. That memory, that truth, will keep you in love with Jesus Christ. Alright, let's wrap it up. Go back to 1 John chapter 4. Perfect love. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Boldness in the day of judgment. Confidence before the throne of God. I know when I die, I'm going before the throne with Jesus. And that's not, it's not for my sins. It's for my service to God. I don't have to fear anymore that God's going to cast me into hell. We don't have to fear when we meet our Creator because we're in Christ. As Jesus is, we are. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 tells us that when He comes, we shall be like Him. We shall see Him as He is. No fear of judgment anymore because perfect love casts out fear. But, if you're not in Christ, if you have not been born again, if you have not been saved, all those words mean the same thing. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Never saw yourself the way God sees you. Lost. You'd better think twice. That'll put the fear in you. To realize and know that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of, an, of the living God. It's a fearful thing. If you're unsaved here this morning, if you die without Christ, there is no second chance. There's no purgatory. Not in the Bible. You forget about that. You go straight to hell. One time you'll come out to stand before His throne, receive your body so you can go back into hell, the lake of fire, forever and ever. Revelation 21.8 But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Someone once said, if you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. Amen to that. Salvation changes everything, though. You could be saved today. Not religious. Saved. 
Psalm 27, 1 says, The Lord is light, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Amen. Whom shall I fear? For the Lord, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Perfect love casteth out fear. So, brethren, how's your personal walk with Jesus Christ? Because that is the basis for perfect love. Let's pray. You bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to know if you're here this morning and you're not sure you're saved, I certainly am not going to call you out of your seat or anything like that, but if you want to know more about being saved, or if you can't say, hey, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. There is a bit of fear. I don't know if I die. Will I go to heaven? You do have a soul that Jesus died for. And I just want to ask you a simple question. Are you born again? Can you remember a time when you were born again by the Spirit of the living God? If you can't remember a time that you were born again, that you were saved, could you just look up at me? You've never, you don't remember a time when you were saved. Just look up at me. You're not sure you're going to heaven. Could you look up at me? Amen. I see one person. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Continue that this message keeps sinking in, Lord, as, <laughs> as choppy as I brought it across, Father. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would lay it on our hearts. That we need you more than anything else. We need you, Lord, and we need to we need to see the way you see, with a love that looks past and is able to heal, and a love that casts out the fear in our own hearts and helps us to be the witnesses we need to be. Oh, the world doesn't need more perfect people and better governments. It needs the love of God. The world needs to see it in us, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, help us this morning to go after that perfect love through loving one another and obeying you. Lord, one person looked up at me, doesn't know for sure where they're going to spend eternity. I pray you might have an opportunity to speak with them, to just take the Bible and uh, help them know that they can be saved. Lord, Father, we thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for the word of God. And uh, please bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.